and my failures. When I consider all the times I've let God down, I am humbled by the grace He has extended. I'm amazed at the mercy I have found. I can never His love on my own. Yet every time I come before His throne, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. When He looks at me, I see the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken heart is all I have to offer. And yet, it's a priceless gift to Him. The bitter mark of sin will never fade away. But I can come before Him unashamed. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. When He looks at me, I see the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. When He looks at me, I see the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Mark, appreciate that.
on the table in the vestibule or, uh, is the next edition of the Keepa Heights Baptist Communicator. And uh, this one is entitled, Why Baptist? What's the Difference? And uh, I would encourage you, if you're interested in knowing what the difference is between Baptist and everybody else, uh, grab you a copy on your way out. Though the cover is worn and the, some pages are torn, though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is the book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. When I prayerfully look in the precious old book, many pleasures and treasures I see, many tokens of love from the Father above who is nearest and dearest to me. This old book is my guide, tis a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way. Each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it today. This is the book. Take your, take your book, your Bible if you will. Turn with me to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Sometimes God tells his people to do something and they don't want to. It's not part of their plans. They perhaps are scared. Whatever the problem might be, they just end up not doing it. And often when that happens in our lives, we fail to see what the effect will be on others. Let me give you an example from my own life. I was driving home from Buchanan, Michigan one night. It was late at night. I had intended to stay in Buchanan Sunday night and drive home on Monday, but we finished a little early and I was wide awake and it's not but about a seven and a half, eight hour drive, and so I just hopped in the car and took off. And on that drive, I asked the Holy Spirit to give me opportunities to share the gospel with people on my way home. And I uh, went through the toll booth around Chicago, and when I had, gave the guy my money, I handed him a track. And he said, uh, Thank you. Appreciate this. Got to the next toll booth. You can't get out of Chicago without going through at least two. So I got to the next toll booth, and I handed the guy that guy a tract also. And he said, uh, he said, this is like the sixth one of these I've gotten tonight. And I said, maybe God's trying to tell you something. Just went on. I got somewhere down south of Springfield. And uh, started getting a little sleepy, and from Springfield, it's just two hours home, and so I, two and a half hours maybe, and so I, uh, I pulled into uh, what was then known as Shoney's. Anybody remember Shoney's? Uh, and 
pulled into a Shoney's and went in and ordered a soda and, and uh, ordered to go. And, and I'm sitting there at the counter, and the Holy Spirit said, that kid sitting down there on the end of that uh, end of this counter here uh, needs to know about Jesus. And I looked down at him, and he was busy talking to somebody else. And and I said, okay, I'll do it on my way out. I'll give him a track on my way out. And uh, I sat there. They brought my soda, and I paid for it and got up and, and walked past him and got in the car and started down the highway again, got back on the highway, and the Holy Spirit said, you didn't give him a track. Say, okay, Brother Casey, you turned around, went back and found him and gave it to him, right? No, I didn't. That's been 34 years ago. I have never forgotten it. I'm going to see that young man again someday. I hope to see him at the judgment seat of Christ, but if I don't, I'll see him at the great white throne judgment. And my fear is that he will recognize me and say, you knew, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you give me a track? I don't know what his life has been since then. I don't know if he's alive or dead. don't know who he is. I just know that the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me that I missed an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody that obviously he had been working on. You see, if the Holy Spirit hadn't been working on him, he wouldn't have impressed me to do anything about it. The Holy Spirit either had been working on him or was going to use the seed that I planted to begin working on him. And I don't know which it is. All I know is that when we fail to obey God, it costs us. But it always costs others. In Jonah chapter 1, we find that God called Jonah. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Without reading this entire chapter, let me tell you the story. The Lord sent a great storm. It's not too unusual to have storms in the Mediterranean, but this storm was unusually fierce because God sent it. God sent it. When the hurricane hit the city of New Orleans, caused such incredible damage, Some preachers said, well, that's just a natural occurrence of nature and and the city of New Orleans just happened to be the one that got hit. I beg to differ. Hurricane Katrina, I believe, was sent by God to the city of New Orleans because it was such a wicked city. And God sends a, a storm in the Mediterranean Sea, to the very ship that Jonah is on. Jonah is down in the hold of the ship. He paid passenger fare, and he went down to the bottom of the ship, and he fell asleep. 
You say, why would he fall asleep? Why would he be able to sleep during a storm? Well, I can tell you why. Because running from God is hard work. Running from God is restless work. Running from God is dangerous work. But it's all work. He had to travel from his hometown up in North Galilee to the city of Jaffa. And from Jaffa, he got on the ship. And by that time, he was exhausted. He had walked for miles and miles and miles that day. And he went in the belly of the ship and went to sleep. And the storm came up. And he's sleeping through it. And the merchants who had loaded their goods on that ship to take them to Tarshish, you say, where's Tarshish? Spain, actually. There's one in South Turkey, and there's one in Spain, and we assume he's going to the one in Spain because he wants to get as far from Nineveh as he can possibly get. I mean, isn't that what we do? When we're being disobedient to God and he tells us to go somewhere, don't we go the opposite direction as far and fast as we can go? He said it for Tarshish, and this storm comes up, and oh my goodness, these guys don't know why the storm is there. They just know the ship's about to sink. Archaeologists and undersea explorers have, have enjoyed greatly finding these sunken ships from 2,000, 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago, because it enables them to see what kind of shipping was going on and what kind of items were being shared with, between North Africa and, and the Middle East and Europe. And, and, and it's just it's fascinating. They find these great big jars, clay jars, some filled with wine, some filled with grain, some filled with olive oil. When they find them, they, they, they can identify where it's from and where it was going. It's just it was really cool to learn that kind of stuff about people who lived that long ago. And these guys start dragging their stuff up and throwing it overboard. They, got, they, they, they went to Egypt and got cotton sheets, thick luxurious cotton sheets. You can still buy Egyptian cotton sheets today. I don't know anybody who does. They're fairly expensive. But I know you can. And these guys had all this stuff on board ship. And they start throwing it overboard to lighten the ship. Because the ship's too low in the water, riding too low in the water. And the waves are laughing over into the ship. And pretty soon... They realize this ship's going down and we can't get enough stuff off of it. So they, 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 they get worried. And while they're hauling stuff from underneath the deck and throwing it overboard, they see this guy over in the corner sleeping, or over on the side sleeping. And they go over and they wake him up and say, Hey, man, we're dying. I mean, we're sinking the ship. Who are you? He said, well, my name's Jonah. My dad's name's Amittai. Well, that doesn't mean anything to us. He said, well, I'm, I'm one of the guys that God talks to from Israel. Oh, you mean a preacher? 
Well, yeah, a preacher, prophet, you know. And they said, okay, what are you doing on the ship? And he said, well, I'm running from God. He said, what God? Because they all had gods that they served. He said, I'm running from Jehovah. Jehovah, the, the maker of heaven and earth. The creator. And they started getting worried. And they said, pray to your God and see if he'll, see if he'll, he'll make the storm stop. Because they'd all been praying, making sacrifices. They'd already sacrificed all their trade goods. <laughs> and, you know, oh man, you, you got to help us out here. And uh, Jonah said, well, praying to my God's not going to help any. He said, what? Why would your prayers to God not help any? Well, because I'm the one he's after. So they said, well, uh, man, we're having trouble believing that. Said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to cast lots. Gonna put everybody's uh, number or name or something on this little on a, on a little piece of stone or clay or whatever uh, clay maybe a broken clay pot and we're gonna put them in this bag and we're gonna shake them all up and then we're gonna draw one out and that's how we'll know whose fault this is. Okay, I wish my mom had done that for me and Ron and Rick and Rod. Okay, instead we all got spanked. She knew we were all guilty. Would have been nice if she'd drawn out one name, and especially if it'd been somebody besides mine. <laughs> but here they are, and they put all the, the names in there, and they shake it up, and the guy reaches in, he pulls it out, and it's got Jonah's name on it. And they said, "Why, why is God after you?" He said, "Because he told me to do something, and I said no, and I'm running from him because I don't want to do it." Wow. They said, well, how do we solve the problem? He said, throw me overboard. I always wonder about that when I read this passage. Why didn't he just jump overboard? Okay. I don't know. I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. Okay. They threw him overboard, and God prepared a great fish, a, a whale. Jesus called it a whale in the New Testament. Prepared this great whale, and the whale swallowed him up, and he was in the belly of the whale for three days. And you know the rest of the story. The whale, <coughs> a disobedient Christian will even make a fish sick. And the whale throws, just throws him up. Throws him up on dry land. Now, throw up, that's the nice word for vomit, okay? The technical term is regurgitation, okay? The whale regurgitated him onto the beach, okay? really doesn't matter. After three days in stomach acid, he was a weird-looking guy from then on. Probably ate all his hair off, probably bleached his skin out. He wasn't brown anymore. Now he's white, white, you know, like this. This is white. Okay? People say, oh, you white people, have you ever seen a white person? No. 
They, they very rarely occur. Okay? This is white. This is kind of a pinkish color, pinkish brown. Then I got to thinking. When Eve ate the fruit in the garden and handed it to Adam, and he started to eat it, did he stop and think, what is this going to cost other people? Is, what's this going to cost somebody else? Because the truth of the matter is, he condemned us to hell. If Jesus hadn't come and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, we'd all be going to hell. If Adam hadn't eaten the fruit, we'd be living in the Garden of Eden. And I love gardening. And it would have been especially cool, no weeds, no thorns. My son planted a plant in my garden. It's called the devil's plant. It is some type of eggplant. It looks like little tiny orange pumpkins. They're about this big around. They're about this thick. But this plant, the leaves, where the center spine comes down to the end of the leaf, leaves are about this big. And on that center spine, on the top and the bottom of the leaf, there are spikes. Um, not thorns, spikes. And you reach in there to get some, and I mean, they just eat your skin to pieces. You say, well, are the fruit edible? Who knows? I'm not eating them. Not unless somebody else will pick them. <laughs> we'll have to see. But if Adam hadn't sinned, there wouldn't be thorns. Mosquitoes wouldn't be sucking blood. We could go on and on. I got to thinking. What about other people's disobedience? Hmm. What does it cost when somebody is disobedient? What does it cost others? Because truth of the matter is, God has things in His Word that He tells us to do. And when we don't do it, it doesn't just cost us. The Apostle Paul said in the New Testament that no man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. Whatever we do affects others. Do we ever think about what our disobedience is going to cost others? The problem is we don't often know in advance what the cost of the decision is going to be. Everybody gets to make their own choices, but we never get to decide what the consequences will be. The consequences are always predetermined. Young people, please listen to me. Pay close attention. You get to make the choice. You do not get to choose the consequence. So if your parents tell you 
This is not a wise decision. This will hurt. Please listen to them. Because maybe they made the same mistake and they already know what the consequences were for them. They don't want you to go through the same thing. And for those who don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, never have trusted Him, never have asked Him to to save them, what has their disobedience caused? Oh, I have a friend. Had a friend. Whose uh, parents served God faithfully for a while. And then one day something happened and they and they got their feelings hurt. Everybody gets their feelings hurt in church sooner or later. Did y'all know that? If it hasn't happened to you yet, just wait. Because it's going to. It's going to happen. Everybody gets their feelings hurt in church sooner or later. When that happens, you have the choice. Blame God or deal with the individual. The New Testament says, if someone has offended you, you go to them. Tell them what they did. Offer them the opportunity to apologize. But whether they apologize or not, we're commanded to forgive them. To not hold it to their account anymore. You say, well, Brother Casey, I can forgive them, but I can't forget it. I don't know the Scripture asks you to forgive it. Just don't hold it against them. Okay? I got bit by two big dogs one time running home uh, up Cromwell Road over the hill. And I forgave those dogs. Okay? But I didn't run past their house anymore. After I got my driver's license, I started driving past their house, hoping they were out in the road. But, no. (laughs) Just kidding. But you know what? Yeah. I forgave the dogs. They were doing what comes natural for a dog. Something runs from you, you catch it. It's what dogs do. So, uh, this family, they got their feelings hurt. And they blamed God. You see, had they blamed the individual who said what he said or did what he did, they would have gone to him and said, Listen, you did this, and it caused hurt in our family. But we forgive you. We're informing you so that maybe you'll remember not to do it to some other family. But no, they quit church. They didn't find another church. They just quit, dropped out, started staying home on Sunday morning. And while they're staying home on Sunday morning, their kids are not going to church either. Now, both of their, all three of their children, but at that point, had trusted Christ as personal Savior. Okay? But their kids have never gone to church. And now they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six, maybe seven grandchildren. Okay? Their grandchildren not only have never been in church, they've never heard about Jesus. 
Okay? If things continue as they are, the grandparents are going to die and they're going to go to heaven. And their children are going to die and they're going to go to heaven. And their grandchildren are going to die and they're going to go to hell. And they're going to suffer for all of eternity because their grandparents were not obedient to God. They ran from God. Now, think just for a moment, if you would, the incredible cost to that family from somebody not being obedient. And they'll stand before God someday. The great white throne judgment. And their grandchildren will be cast into hell, hurled by the angels into the lake of fire. That's why God has to wipe away tears from our eyes in heaven. Because they're going to be heartbroken and they are going to know why it happened. Say, Brother Casey, are you trying to tell us something? Duh. But that was a good question. Yes, I'm trying to tell you that when God speaks, we need to obey instantly. Instantly. Whatever He says, we need to do it then. God told the children of Israel to go into the promised land. and They said, no, there's giants in there. We can't go. And the next day they said, okay, okay, we'll go. And God said, no, you won't. You didn't obey me yesterday, so you're not going today. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until everybody in the nation over the age of 20, except for the men of the tribe of Levi, died. Wandering in the wilderness. Never got to experience the land of milk and honey. Never got to eat that incredible fruit. Those hypha oranges. Big, huge grapes. Magnificent watermelons. Cantaloupes about the size of your head. Sugar sweet. Brother Casey, are you kidding? I'm not kidding. I've been there. I've tasted it all. No, but those folks wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they disobeyed God. Yes, I'm trying to tell you something. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ is calling you today to receive Him. He died on the cross for you. He was buried and He rose again the third day. And He's offering you the gift of salvation. You can be saved today. If you've already been saved then and never been baptized, He's calling you today to follow Him in baptism. Take that first step of obedience. Because if you don't take the first step, you never will take the second step, third step, fourth step. And you don't know what your obedience is, what your lack of obedience is going to cost. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you about your church membership, and you know that you're supposed to be a member here. Then come, we'll share with you how we receive members. It may be that the Lord has spoken to you about disobedience in your life, and you have never confessed it. This is your opportunity to come, kneel here at this altar. 
confess it to God and make it right. If we confess our sins, he said, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you get a second chance. Chance to start over. When the whale threw Jonah up, Jonah hit the ground running and ran to Nineveh. And he walked in the city and he still wasn't pleased with the fact that God sent him there and he wasn't excited about being there. But he walked into the city a whole day's journey and he said, all right, guess what? In 40 days, God's going to destroy this city and everybody in it because y'all don't worship him. And word began to spread. People began to get right with God. Even the king climbed down off his throne and put on sackcloth and ashes and began to worship God. And God forgave him. Jonah stayed around all 40 days. 41st day, he looked at God and said, I knew you, weren't, you wouldn't kill him. I knew you was going to forgive him. And the scripture says he had no concern at all for all those thousands that didn't even know their right hand from their left hand. They're just little babies. You say, man, he wasn't much of a prophet, was he? No, but he sounds like a pretty good church member. Okay, not a good church member, just an ordinary church member. Let's bow our heads together in prayer as we stand quietly to our feet. Father, I preach the message that you gave me. I don't know who it was for other than me, but I ask you to use it. Help us to become aware that our disobedience to God always costs somebody else. Always hurts somebody else. For no other reason than that, dear Lord, help us to commit ourselves today to serve you and live for you and live according to your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.